Hey, I'm Phil. Thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you're here and we would love to get connected with you and your family. So one easy way that you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321 or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Um, we, are, we are continuing our study in the book of Revelation. Uh, we're actually two weeks in. We're two weeks left. We've got this week and next week. Can you believe it? We're going through the entire book. We've gone through the entire book this summer. Um, and today, good, my goodness, I can't wait to get to um, what we're talking about today. Um, but the reality is things change a lot in the world, right? If we look back just, what, five, six years ago, the world changed a ton over the last, let's just say, even three years, right? So much has changed. But I got to thinking about it, and I looked at some stuff about how they lived in the 1500s, and things have changed a lot since the 1500s. And there's some interesting things I found. So most people got married in June because they took their yearly bath, <laughs> their yearly bath in May, and smelled pretty, and still smelled pretty good by June, hence the popularity of June weddings, and, but they were beginning to smell, so brides carried a bouquet of flowers to cover over the smell. Baths consisted of a big tub filled with hot water. The man of the house had the privilege of going first and enjoying the nice clean water. Then came all the sons and other men, then the women, and finally the children, last of all, the babies. By then, the water was so dirty, you could actually lose someone in it. Hence the saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Most houses had thatched roofs, thick straw piled high with no wood underneath. It was, only, it was the only place for animals to get warm, so all the dogs, cats, and other animals, mice, rats, and bugs included, lived in the roof. When it rained, it became slippery, and sometimes the animals would slip and fall out of or off the roof. Hence the saying, it's raining cats and dogs. It's nuts. This stuff is amazing to me. All right? The floor was dirt. Only the wealthy had something other than dirt, hence the saying, dirt poor. Most people had little meat, but sometimes they could obtain pork, which made them feel special. When visitors came over, they would hang up their bacon to show off. I also like to hang up my bacon. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was a sign of wealth that a man could bring home the bacon. They would cut off a little to share with guests, and they would all sit around and chew the fat. Lead cups were used to drink ale or whiskey. This one blows my mind. The combination would sometimes knock people out for a short time. Someone walking along the road would take them for dead and prepare them for burial. They were laid out on the kitchen table for a couple of days. And the family would gather around and eat and drink and wait to see if they would wake up. Hence the custom for holding awake. Really? I'm like, what? This is crazy. I'm looking at this stuff. This, this, is the, this takes it all. England is an old country and not very large. They started running out of places to bury people. So they would dig up coffins and take the bones to a bone house and reuse the grave. When reopening these coffins, one out of 25 coffins was found to have scratch marks on the inside. And they realized they had been burying people alive. So they thought they would tie a string on the wrist of the corpse 
lead it through the coffin and up through the ground and tie it to a bell. Someone would have to sit out in the graveyard all night, the graveyard shift, (laughs) to listen for the bell. Thus, someone could be saved by the bell (laughs) or considered a dead ringer. Things have changed a little bit since the 1500s, right? Now you know some of the history behind some of the phrases that we use often. I read that. I was like, I got to read that. That's just so great because things have changed a lot since then. Um, But things are going to change one day again, hugely. We've heard about the judgment that's coming on sin through the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments in the book of Revelation. We've heard about specific judgments on the unholy trinity of Satan and his antichrist and his false prophet. We saw the great white throne judgment last week where everyone that doesn't know Jesus, the full weight of their sin and the judgment of that sin will fall upon them at the great white throne judgment. They will bear the full punishment of their sin. And if you want to hear any of those messages, they are on our website here at Lake Orion. Um, the beauty, I believe, of the River Church is that we have, now have nine different messages you can listen to every single week on this same topic. And all nine of us prepare different messages for the people that we pastor. And so you could literally have nine different takes on a passage of scripture, either through our app or on our website, and be able to hear different different takes and what God led each each of our pastors to, uh, to, to speak to our locations. Um, but a day is coming. A day is coming when Jesus will return, which we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. Peace is going to reign for those who know Jesus. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And today we talk about the culmination of the book of Revelation. We finally get to talk about what the end of all this judgment is pointing toward. It's an amazing thing. Our Edenic, our Garden of Eden relationship with God will be restored. A perfect relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's a really amazing thing. The whole Bible, the entirety of Scripture, is sandwiched between the first two chapters of Genesis where Satan did not yet come into the picture. And these last two chapters of the Bible, the book of Revelation, where Satan is no more. Evil is vanquished. He has been conquered and he is thrown into the lake of fire. And Jesus reigns. This is coming. It's coming. In fact, there's many parallels between the book of Genesis and this book of Revelation, and we'll see some of them today. But as, we, as I think about heaven, that's what we're talking about today. As I've thought about it over the years, and I hear people say about heaven, some people say, man, it's going to be boring in heaven. Some people have said, I've heard a lot of people say, it's going to be boring in heaven. Like, we're, gonna, we're not going to have anything to do. We're just gonna, all we're going to do is have church. Let me tell you something. We do a really poor example of what heaven's going to be like when we come to church. Here's the thing. You may, you may appreciate this. I'm not going to have to preach anymore in heaven. You may like that. You may be like, whatever. Yeah, I don't laugh too much. I might hurt my, heart, hurt my feelings. Um, but I'm not going to have to preach anymore. No pastor's going to have to preach anymore. You want to know why? Because we're present with Jesus. We're going to see him face to face. We're going to know him. We're going to know him. But think, I I got to thinking about this too, and it's like, have you ever had a time where you just felt a moment where you felt so close to God? Where it's like you knew he was like, he was sitting right next to you. 
and you felt his presence and you knew he was there and you knew you weren't alone and you were in this awe-inspiring worship of him. It's freeing, it's exhilarating, it's awe-inspiring. It's home. Now multiply that by infinity, 24-7. That is heaven. That is knowing the presence of God. How many times have we been to a retreat and we go, some kind of church retreat or women's retreat, men's retreat, youth event. Man, I wish we could keep that high. I wish we could keep that closeness to God. That's heaven. We're going to be with him all the time, and that will be 24-7 exhilaration, perfect relationship with our Heavenly Father. To be honest, I used to think about some of the things, same things about heaven when I was younger. I'm like, man, I want to get married. I don't want to go to heaven yet. I want to have kids. I want to see Now it's like I, want, I do still want to see my grandkids. Still got some time for that, though. Not that, quite that old yet. But I look forward to those things. But the more I live my life, the more Colossians 3, 1 to 2 just sticks out in my head where Paul says this, if you have then been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. My friends, today, what we learn in the book of Revelation should stir our souls. I want you to listen to what God has to reveal about what heaven's going to be like. We don't know everything. But what he has revealed should give us a giddy expectation of what's to come. And I don't know what God has for us in store this morning. If at some point you are just so caught up in worshiping God, it's okay to raise hands in the middle of a, of a, of a sermon too because you just want to worship him. I'm telling you, what we're going to read today is amazing. It is amazing. If you don't know Jesus today, I want you to know that he loves you and that he died for you. There's forgiveness for your sin, and it's available to you today. If you call on the name of Jesus, believe who he he said he was, the Son of God, and believe that he did what he said he did, he died and he rose from the dead, then you can be saved. You can have your your sins forgiven, and you can be a part of what you're going to hear today. If you've been walking away from Jesus, I say it just about every week, but come home, stop walking away from him. Let the reality of what you hear today wash over you and remind you of the God that you serve. Don't keep walking away. He's welcoming you home. And so I'm going to read passages, this passage of Scripture in two different sections today, and I want you to stop and listen and let it sink in, to apply it to us, to help us understand what's happening. Because the picture we're going to get to see is astounding, it's astonishing, it's awe-inspiring, it's beautiful, it's breathtaking. This is the final destination of the people of God. So let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to make, make a point to say it again, too. This is not the revelations. It is revelation. It is one revelation. So there aren't multiple revelations. It's only one. So just want to make sure you're aware of that. We always mention that from time to time. Revelation chapter 21. And I'm going to read verses 1 to 4 to start us off. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven... And the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, 
Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. You know, heaven is mentioned more than 500 times in Scripture, and over 50 times, or right at 50 times in the book of Revelation. And John is saying that he sees a new heaven and a new earth here. What does that mean? That the first one has passed away. What is that? What is that? What's he talking about? As we've learned in the book of Revelation, it's written in a way that we don't know 100% of it. We know that God is revealing this for a purpose so that we know what's coming. It could be the fact that there literally is a new heaven and a new earth because the former ones have been destroyed. It could be that there is a renovation happened, a redemption, a resurrection, if it were, of this heaven and earth, this new heaven and new earth. We don't really know, but what we do know is that Judaism contains both ideas coming from a a Jewish mindset. But the reality is the old is going to completely pale in comparison to what God will create in this new heaven and this new earth. God created the first in Genesis and newly creates here in Revelation. And he also says that there's no sea. That's interesting. We're like, wait a minute, I like the ocean. There's no sea anymore. Well, if we remember in the book of Revelation, anytime it mentions the sea, that is what the wicked come from. It represents the wicked. What John is seeing here is that there is no more evil. None. The judgment is over. Evil has been overthrown. And only the king of kings and the Lord of lords reigns. That is what is happening here in heaven. The holy city, a new Jerusalem, is coming down out of heaven. Really? Like a city coming down? Yep. That's what's happening. But the thing, the thing about the new Jerusalem is that it's both a place and a people. Because God's people have longed for this day. For millennia, this is the culmination of the cross of Christ. People have longed for this day forever. The resurrection, the dwelling of God is actually with people here. Hebrews 11, 8 to 10 says this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham was looking forward to this new Jerusalem millennia before. And this is a time and a place where the people of God will have their relationship with God absolutely perfected. The original relationship that God had with Adam and Eve, it is restored. It's perfect. We are with God because Jesus is our Savior, our healer, our protector, our provider, our champion, and our hero. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he is with us in this picture. We have been restored. God will dwell with us. My favorite name of God in, in all of Scripture for me is Emmanuel. Because it means God with us. God is with us. 
He dwells with us, and, it, and this has been made sight. He's our ever-present God. We'll, wonder, we'll never wonder if he's with us again. We'll never wonder if God is present because we will see him in this day. And then I think, can it get better? Yes, it does. Because we keep reading. Can you even understand what it would mean and what it would be like to have your tears wiped away? Can you imagine that? You're not going to cry again. You're not going to have any reason to. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I think of that, I think of all the reasons why I've shed tears over the years. They will be gone. Your heavenly father will come to you and he will wipe away the tears from your eyes. That made me think about the times that I held both of my daughters. Times that they were hurt or afraid or unsure. Times that I got to hold them and and wipe away their tears and have those moments with them. Times I've been able to do that for Jeannie, my wife. Times that she's done that for me. See, when you know that you're held, when someone wipes away your tears, there's healing, there's restoration, and there is hope. Your heavenly Father If you know Jesus as your Savior, your Heavenly Father will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death. No more death. No more effects of death. It'll be over. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more pain. It's all passed away. It's all done. It's all over. And then we continue in verses 5 to 8. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. See, he is coming to make all things new. He's coming to make all things new. I mean, listen, this is just a list that the commentator put, that a commentator put together of all the promises God makes new in chapters 21 and 22 of Revelation. A new heaven, a new earth in Jerusalem. Chaos and disorder are no more. God will live with his people personally. The effects of sin are eradicated and done away with. All the legitimate desires of our heart will be satisfied. Every single one. Our inheritance of heavenly blessings will be plentiful and permanent. The splendor of the, of the new Jerusalem is going to be magnificent. The glory of God permeates our dwelling place. Nations are going to be guided by God. Protections and peace are forever present. Productivity will be bountiful and breathtaking. Perpetual perfect service is going to be our 
calling. My friends, this isn't a pipe dream. It's real. Why? Because the one who says it, his name is faithful and true. His name is faithful and true. These words are trustworthy and true. And Jesus is the one who sits on this throne. And what does he say in verse 6? It is done. What do those words sound like? From when Jesus was on the cross. It is finished. John 19.30, he said it. When, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. See, Jesus had the first word of history in creation. He will have the last word of history at the end of the book of Revelation. It is done. God has finished his plan. It is complete. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And he gives his people the water of life. There's no payment because it is finished. He's taken care of it. It is all done. It's all done. And then he talks here in verse 7 about the one who conquers is going to have this heritage. It's a reference back to what we talked about, what Jesus said at the beginning of the book of Revelation. To every single church, what did he say? To him who conquers. And there were promises. Here's the promises. To Ephesus, they will have access to the tree of life. The church of Smyrna, you will not be hurt by the second death. And Pergamum, you'll be given hidden, a hidden manna, a white stone, and a new name. And Thyatira, I will give you, he's going to give authority over the nations and the morning star. In Sardis, they'll be clothed, we're clothed in white garments. Our names will never be blotted out of the book of life. And Jesus will confess you before his father and before his angels. In Philadelphia, he's going to make us a t- pillar in the temple of God. And his name is going to be written on us. The, new, the name of the new Jerusalem and Jesus' own name. And then in Laodicea, we will sit with Jesus on his throne. It's going to be a big throne. We're all going to snuggle really well. See, he will be our God. And we will be, and we will be his children. We're adopted into the family of God and we will remain there for all of eternity. We'll remain there for all of eternity. But there is one final warning for those that don't choose to follow Jesus. It's a warning to draw people to himself. It's a final reminder of the stark contrast of the experience of those that don't know Jesus to those that do know Jesus. And those that don't want Jesus. Because remember, if you don't want Jesus this morning, he will not force himself on you. He he won't. You have a choice when it comes to Jesus. Do you want him or do you not? Because he talks about the cowards. These cowards are individuals who, because of fear, will not confess Christ openly when confronted with persecution. Listen to that. There are cowards that think they know Jesus but never actually accepted him. Those are the people that Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because all you did was say words, you didn't actually give your life to him. Praying a prayer one time when you were a kid or when you were emotional does not mean you know Jesus. It meant you wanted him in that moment. And if you don't live your life for him, if there is not fruit in your life, you don't know Christ. 
I have to say that this morning. Jesus has given us one final warning. I wasn't planning on going here this morning, but I am convinced there are people in this room that are playing the game. There are people in this room that have a farce of a faith. Do you think because you sing on this stage or because you serve in the nursery or because you're sitting here this morning, you're good? It's all about Jesus, not about what you do. Not about how you serve. It is the cross of Christ that saves. And it changes our lives. It changes our desires. It changes our focus in life. And if your life is focused anywhere else, beware. What is the fruit of your life? You will know we are his disciples by how we love one another. By how we desire to be together. By how we want to know him. That's the reality. Don't play the game. The unbelievers that are mentioned here, are, 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 they are faithless who choose to deny Christ by their conduct and their speech. The vile or detestable are those polluted by gross acts of idolatry, worshiping something other than Jesus. The murderers are malicious, savage killers, especially those who kill the tribulation saints. The sexually immoral are those who live sexual lifestyles according to God's plan and purpose. The sorcerers are those who mix drugs with the practices of spirit worship, witchcraft, and magic. Idolaters are worshipers of idols and images. And all liars are those who habitually deceive others. None of these people will have access to the new Jerusalem. None of these people know Jesus. None of them will be here on this day. They will be in the lake of fire that we saw at the great white throne judgment. Jesus is saying one last time, the awesome things are coming, but know this, these people will not be with me. I can't say it more strongly. Come to Jesus. Accept him as your savior. I don't care what you think this world has to offer. It's all going to pass away. I don't care how much joy you get out of some things that, 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 that are not of God. They will destroy you. Come to Jesus and be forgiven. Come to Jesus. Let him change your life. Be actually fulfilled, not temporarily fulfilled. The thing that we have to know that as we look at this passage and we see everything that God is saying in it is that God is making all things new. He is making all things new. It's what we have to know. Jeannie, my wife, is uh, in Boise right now. So, uh, my uh, in-laws are going to be moving to Montana um, over the coming uh, two weeks or so. Um, if you want to know some details about that, you can ask me after the gathering. Um, but uh, Jeannie's out there helping them uh, pack up and move, and so um, I'm grumpy. But uh, it's just the way it'll be for a few days. She'll be back Wednesday. Pray for my girls. Um, but uh, Jeannie, went to, Jeannie, Jeannie and I both are from the West Coast. I'm originally from California. Jeannie's from uh, Oregon, and we met in Oregon. Huge story. You want to hear that sometime. I'm, I love talking about that, too. But... Jeannie went to, a high school, went to high school in Oregon with a friend named Bethany. She was close to this friend in high school. Um, they, helped, I mean, they helped each other follow Jesus with their lives. Bethany and her husband, were, Adam, were high school sweethearts. 
They have four daughters, three out of high school and one in fourth grade. I must have drank some of the Lake Orion water a while back. They lived for and they loved Jesus. They were involved in church, missions, trips, etc. But Bethany was diagnosed with gastric cancer in May of 2021. The cancer had responded to treatments well and they thought things were going really well. But she went and had a scan in June of this year and it had returned. The treatment didn't work. She went into hospice on August 9th. And she died this last Friday, August 11th, at the age of 44. Can you imagine the heartache? Some of you here can. Some of you live with this fear or know this kind of pain. Some of you have different kinds of pain and struggle. Relational, physical, spiritual, emotional. I want to read this passage one more time. When I talk about that kind of pain, I bet something popped into your mind. And I want you to have it in your mind as you hear the words of God about what is to come. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God, and he will be my son. Chuck Swindoll explains it like this. There's not going to be any more sea because chaos and calamity will be gone. There's no more tears because hurtful memories will be replaced with Jesus. There's no more death because mortality will be swallowed up by life. No more mourning because sorrow will be completely comforted. No more crying because the sounds of weeping will be soothed. No more pain because all human suffering will be cured. No more thirst because God will graciously quench all of our desires and satisfy them. 
No more wickedness because all evil will be banished. No more temple because the Father and the Son are personally present. No more night because God's glory will give eternal light. No more closed gates because God's doors will always be open. No more curse because Christ's blood has forever lifted that curse. As I read this this week, Jeannie Jeannie and I were... I was preparing and and Panera bread for a little while and Jeannie was working with me and she'd look up about every five minutes and I'd be pretty much bawling. Because I get to think about my life and the things that I've struggled with. At this point, I will never again struggle with my weight and the shame that it brings me. I will never again think that I'm not enough or that I'm alone because Jesus is going to be with me all the time. I won't have to question whether or not I know what I'm doing or whether or not I can do things right or not. I'm going to have a relationship with my parents that I was never able to have on this earth. What does all of that mean for you? What is it going to change for you? This is heaven. This is what we look forward to. It's not boring. It's the culmination of everything we hoped for, every dream we ever had, because Jesus is there. Bethany is going to be reunited with her daughters and her husband. And what's Jesus going to have for each and every one of us? Himself. And that's the best of all. Those of you that know me, you're going to laugh at this. I'm about to quote a hymn. I love hymns. Don't get me wrong. Some people think I hate hymns. I love hymns. Just not all the hymns. All right? But when I was studying this message, I was thinking, What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face. Yeah, say it, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. What a day. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says this, He's made everything beautiful in his time. Also he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I want to tell you this morning, my friend, God has put eternity in your heart. He's put eternity in your heart, a longing for more, a knowledge that there is more to this life than living and dying, more than you can see. Why? Because it's God's fingerprint on your heart. There is a place for God that you cannot fulfill in any other way than by putting God in it. And that is where you find the fulfillment that you were made for by coming to Christ. Man, the first answer of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is a catechism as a declaration of beliefs pretty much. It says this, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To enjoy him forever. We enjoy so little on this earth. We think we enjoy so much. We enjoy so little because we're going to get to enjoy God forever. Why don't we start now? 
Why do we come to church on Sunday morning going, yeah, it's church. Yay, a few songs, whoop-de-doo. It's the God of the universe. We get to worship him now. Right? We can't just sit on our rear ends doing nothing. We enjoy him forever, so why wait? Start today. Enjoy him. My goodness, there's so much awesomeness when you can get alone with God and you understand that you are loved beyond compare. Man, there's so many days I don't believe it. So many days I don't believe it. But just because I don't believe it, it doesn't mean it's not true. Every single one of us is loved in this building. And man, we can enjoy God today. Man, if God's gone through so much trouble that we see in the book of Revelation to come to this culmination point, then we should know in the deepest parts of our hearts that he wants to have an intimate relationship with you today. Today. So I have a question for every single one of us today. What is holding you back from that relationship? Is it a broken heart? A broken home? A broken reputation? A broken life? Maybe broken health? God wants relationship with you in spite of everything. You may not get the satisfaction you look for in life. You might not. You might not find it this side of heaven. In fact, many of us won't. And we're always going to be longing. We're always going to be hoping. We're always going to be hoping for more. But that's the whole reality of heaven. It's the whole reality of heaven is that our longings are met in him, not in the things that are on this earth. Jesus offers himself in the middle of where you are today an ultimate healing because, like he said, behold, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. What an amazing thing that is coming for us one day, my friends. Will you be there? That's the next question. Will you be there? If you're not sure, make sure today. Make sure today. Because God is making all things new. I, for one, can't wait. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for how awesome you are. Thank you for who you are. God, this morning, I just pray that we would truly desire you above all else. God, I know that there is some pain in the room, that there's some struggle that we have. God, I just, I pray that you'd help us to see you for who you are. God, that you would draw us close. If there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, God, I pray that they would know you, that they would come to know you, God. God, for all of us that, that play with so many things in the world, I, thinking that the world can satisfy us, Lord, I pray that we would look to you more than we look to anything around us. And that we would begin enjoying you now, not just someday. Oh, thank you for this picture of what heaven is going to be like. That day that you'll wipe every tear from our eyes. And everything will be made new. What a day that'll be. Thank you, Lord, for revealing it to us. And may that be a continual motivation to live our life for you 
and to tell others about who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.